Hello everyone. I was pondering the other day the vastness of needs in our church family. There are members with serious health problems. There are those struggling to find a job. Those dealing with family struggles. Those grieving. Parents encountering issues with their children they never dreamed they would face. There are also the variety of spiritual struggles. The sins besetting many, the wavering of one's spiritual commitments. And as you know, I could go on and on. And with the membership of over 500, those, these are those who call this their church home. It is impossible for an eldership and a ministerial staff to address or know all the needs of this church. And brothers and sisters, many of you do an outstanding job of connecting and seeking out those with needs. And we appreciate it. You, you are being the church. The elders and ministers are thrilled for your service to this body. Thank you so much for what you do, for loving and caring. Now, our mission as a body isn't not to love one another. I mean, to be devoted to one another, honor one another, exhort one another, be kind and compassionate to one another carry each other's burdens, forgive each other, and encourage one another? Well, yeah, absolutely it is. And I'm grateful for all of you who, who do this. Now, for you who may be joining us for the very first time on this video, we're in a series titled Becoming Great Surf, and we're looking at five characteristics, sacrifice, empathy, relationships, values, and empowerment. Now, in my last sermon, we discussed the idea of empathy, actually placing ourselves in the shoes of another, seeing in every person the image of God, the imago Dei, and treating each person with dignity and respect, no matter their bent, no matter the color of their skin. And we ask this question, how do we view all people? In other words, when I see an individual, do I see the thumbprint of God in every individual I meet? And why is that question important? Because God has set eternity in the heart of every man. And this image, this spirit that was breathed into each of us, this Imago Dei, it never diminishes it. It never diminishes. But let me ask you a question. The image within every man can you reject that and deny that image of God within you? In other words, can man choose a path of destruction and sin? Well, absolutely they can. And we've all done that to some degree, haven't we? We've all fallen short of the glory of God because of our sin. And remember, as I said this in that last sermon on empathy, empathy is not blind. There are horrific atrocities committed in this world by some very evil individuals, right? And these individuals will often pay for their sins in this world or in the world to come. So empathy is not blind. God will judge this world and how we treat people and how we view them. But that doesn't change. We're to love all people because God loves all people and place within them his image. Now, today we discuss relationships. And I want, and I want to ask a similar question to the one posed in my last sermon, here's the question. How do we treat all people? 
Think about that. How do, how do we treat all people? And let me remind you again, this series is not about doing, but about becoming. We are working toward becoming great as servants. We're using as our series text, Mark chapter 10, verses 43 through 45. Let me read that. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is what we are striving for as a body of believers. See, it's, it's not about me, but about you. It's not about being served, but about giving of one's life on behalf of others. And as I've said throughout this series, that's not easy. Why? Because we normally think of ourselves before we think of others. I mean, right? Right? I, do I have any Trekkies out there in the audience? Any Trekkies? <laughs> it was Spock in the movie Star Trek Into Darkness who spoke this famous line. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Or the one, as Captain Kirk responded to him. See, we have a tendency to reverse this statement in our own lives. My needs outweigh the needs of the many, the few, or even the one. I mean, is that, is that not true? I mean, I know it has been in my life. I can tell you countless stories in my life where I behaved in that manner. Anybody else willing to admit they've done the same? And because of Jesus, we're to think differently, act differently, treat people differently. Listen to this passage. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Philippians 2, verses 3 through 5. Brothers and sisters, the resurrection of Jesus brought a new perspective. A new perspective. It resulted in a body of believers, a church family that was called the way. And the way was different. Because of this gift received in Christ Jesus, this salvation the early believers could not help but respond as Jesus did. They could not help but think of others before they thought of themselves. Now, listen, listen to this next passage. And there's going to be a pop quiz on this one, okay? Pop quiz. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, and we should walk in them. Okay, here's the pop quiz. What are we to walk in? I mean, when you look at that passage, which is still on the screen, what are we to walk in? Come on, look at the passage and tell me, what are we to walk in? Well, we're to walk in them, but what is the them in this passage? What are we to walk in? Good works. Good works. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. Why? Why? Why are we to walk in good works? Why? Because. Because we have been saved by grace through faith. We have been given a tremendous gift. 
And we didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. But God gifted us through Christ's salvation to those who call in his name and respond to an obedience to a call of being immersed into his blood. We have salvation. And I can't help but serve because of this precious gift of grace that Jesus gave through his amazing sacrifice. And who are we serving? Who are we supposed to serve? Others. Do you remember this phrase I've been using at the end of each of these sermons on becoming great? Go do for the what you wish you could do for the. In other words, go do for the one what you wish you could do for the many. Can I let you in on a little secret? I mean, churches are to be a place where the saints feel like they're safe. But we are not a holy huddle designed as a country club. The church is a launching pad for life out there. And we encourage one another daily for out there. And that may seem harsh to some of you, but the church was never meant to be a holy huddle club. Are we to take care of one another? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. We are supposed to take care of one another. But, but, but don't forget, don't forget our purpose our purpose is out there. Go teach, go serve, go make disciples. Where? Out there. Is this not the Great Commission? Is this not the way of our Lord and Savior? All right, so I've spent a significant amount of time this morning trying to set up this sermon. And now I want to get back to our question. How are we to treat all people? See, I want you to see something this morning, and, and, and I want to use this. I want to use this uh, triangle. It's a dinner bell illustration, and I think it will send a powerful message. Our relationships, our relationships are often designed as a connection between one and another, two people, husband and wife, parent and child, employer and employee, teacher, student. All these are viewed as relationships, but what if, what if? What if, what if we began looking at all of our relationships as a party of three? In every relationship, there is a triangle. For believers, every relationship ought to be seen as a triangle where God is present. Okay, so instead of just this, this horizontal relationship, we, th we think in terms of a triangle always when we're in with another person. When I'm in a conversation with you, I am reminded that there are three of us in this, this relationship. Me, you, and God. This works for everything. Husband, wife, God. Parent, child, God. Employee, employer, God. Teacher, student, and God. Yet I'm afraid this triangle is not taken with us everywhere we go, right? Right? I mean, what are the greatest commandments? What are the greatest commandments? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these commandments, listen to this, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Okay, so how am I to treat all people? How am I to treat all people? Do I see God as a part of the relationship triangle? The answer is often no. 
If God was included in all our relationships, we wouldn't act and behave, we would act and behave differently toward others. Love is about a settled purpose to behave and act no matter who they are or what type of conflict you're involved in. Love is a settled purpose to behave and act as Jesus would have us behave toward those in our inner circle as well as those outside our inner circle of love. Love is something we do to people and not something we expect from them. All right, let's talk for a moment about expectations. Expectations are a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. It is a belief that something will or should accomplish, someone should accomplish something for me. When my expectations are not met by another, what often happens? See, unfulfilled expectations are an opportunity for conflict in every relationship, right? Right? Love is not a feeling that happens to you. Love refers to an action or a behavior expressed to another. Love is something we do. Sure, there are times we experience love from others and we ought to accept it graciously. It is when I expect their love and do not get it. That's where the nature of conflict occurs. Unfulfilled expectations have caused marriages to dissolve. Unfulfilled expectations have caused business partners to sue one another. Brothers and sisters never speak to one another because of unfulfilled expectations. And how many times have we seen this cause division in churches? And this has happened to all of us to some degree or another. See, we get into trouble when we expect love to come in the form of of that which we believe it ought to be delivered. And then if it's not, see how often have the expectations I've had of Deborah in our marriage ended in an argument? Just once, just once. And if you believe that, I have a boat I'd like to sell you and I don't even own a boat. So what is the answer to how we treat others? What's the answer to how we treat those who are rude and crude to us? In other words, how do we treat the unlovable? How do we treat those who have a different belief system or a different outlook politically or a different bent theologically? I did a whole sermon on this in our Sermon on the Mount series. You do for the one what you wish they would do to you. You do unto others as you would have they you wish they would do it to you. And Jesus would say, This is paramount in understanding all the scriptures, in understanding how it all fits together. This is a key. It's the key to treating all people with dignity and respect, no matter who they are. And it comes down to this verse. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. That expectation, which is unmet in your life, you make sure you don't do the same thing to others. The hurt that you felt from that spouse or that parent or that child or that boss or that friend, we do to others as we would want them to do to us, no matter the awful choices and the words which may be inflicted upon us. And yes, yes. There is a proper way to respond to another when hurt, when we are hurt in that fashion. 
when we find ourselves a victim of an attack, at least we think it is. And let me give you two scriptures because we're not going to have time to cover these or delve into them. Matthew 5, verses 21 through 26, and Matthew 18, verses 15 through 20. Do some serious study on these before going to that other person that you may have conflict with. And remember to check your motives. And here's some good advice I've received. Do not use the Bible to beat up people so you can get what you want. That's not love, and it does not build relationships. And why are we to respond in this way? Why, why are we to be this way toward others? Did it go back to the triangle? Because God is a part of every relationship in my life, every single one. We do it because Jesus did not retaliate. We do it because we have put on a new self. We do it because we are being formed into the likeness of God. All right, listen to this verse from Paul. Put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Okay, before... Before we end this sermon, I have one more aspect to relationships which is vital to the characteristic of becoming a great servant. Uh, okay, and so here's another phrase I want you to capture today. I want you to capture this. No one gets left behind. Let me say that again. No one gets left behind. No one is left out. And this is why I began the sermon as I did. Brothers and sisters, there are multiple people struggling in one form or another. This is why I appreciate those who stay connected to those individuals. And because of who we are as a body, we do not want anyone to fall through the cracks. Has it happened? Sure it has. Do we want it to happen? No, we do not. And we are sorry if you have been the one whose needs were dismissed. Please, please forgive us. See, the way we become great servants is to practice relationships. Practice is the idea of always getting better at what one already does. And brothers and sisters, it wouldn't hurt if we all spent a little bit more time practicing relationships. All right, let me go back to the reason many members fell in this area. Because my needs, my needs often outweigh the needs of the many, the few, or the one. And when we think of ourselves, before we think of others, we are not being Christ. We're not seeing the triangle in every relationship. And we have become clanging symbols that everyone just wants to avoid. I hope you like that uh, little clip. Anyway, you know, the church was established on Pentecost. It was not a clanging symbol. They did not leave anyone out. The church grew by thousands in, in a very short time. They practiced relationships. The believers had everything in common. Listen to these verses. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all 
as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They practiced relationships. You know there's going to come a day. There's going to come a day. Listen, listen, listen. There's going to come a day when the sheep and the goats are going to be divided. Now remember, both animals were acceptable sacrifices to God. Both used in offerings for sins. Then, why does Jesus divide the sheep and the goats in Matthew chapter 25? All right, we're just going to read a few of these verses. I'd love to read the whole chapter, but listen to this. And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, the sheep. Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then they, the goats, will also answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will say to the goats, saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these, the goats, will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous, the sheep, into eternal life. So, 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 okay, so if both are acceptable sacrifices for sin, why do the goats, the goats, go away into eternal punishment? It's because, listen, it's because of the nature and character of each animal. Sheep listen to the voice of their shepherd while well, goats ignore his voice. The sheep see everyone as made in the image of God and worthy of dignity and care, while the goats do not. They only care about the tuft of grass right in front of them. Hmm. Brothers and sisters, we're on our way to becoming great servants by practicing relationships. And we can do this because we already are. And I thank you for that. I thank you. I love you all. So here's what I want to end with. Practice well this week. Practice well. Let's do for the one what we wish we could do for the many. Blessings.